hey everyone. Welcome to episode 279 of F-Stop, Collaborate and Listen with your host, Matt Payne. This week on the podcast, I was joined by a photography website design expert, Alex Vita. Alex runs a web design service customized for photographers, and so I was really glad to have him join me on the podcast. I've spent a lot of time thinking about photography websites myself, and so I always appreciate a good chat with someone on this subject. I believe that anyone who listens to this podcast episode will take something away from it, so be sure to stay tuned. Before we get rolling, I wanted to take a moment to thank our most recent Patreon supporters. Patreon has become a lifeline for me and my family, and I am so very fortunate when listeners step up and financially support the show through that platform. As such, thank you to Sherry Haney, Benjamin Grant, Nick Nath, Andrew Dunbar, Cornelia Weinberger, Peter Daskalos, and Jesse Lanuski. You have all joined an awesome group of great people who are helping to keep the podcast running. I appreciate every single one of you. Okay, let's get to the show with Alex. All right, Alex Vita, it's great to have you on the podcast. Hey, Matt, thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Uh, It's about dinner time here. And uh, I'm guessing it's like, what, like three in the morning or something over there? Exactly. Family and cat all asleep. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. That's wild. Well, you had reached out to me um, and I was really excited about the topic that you want to discuss. And I'll be honest with you, Alex, I've had probably three or four other people reach out to me and want to talk about this particular subject. But I really thought that your approach and your your pitch was really good. So um, I was like, let's do it. <laughs> okay, good, good. It made an impact. Uh, I'm passionate about photography websites. This is what I pitched to you. And I think I have something to, to say that's helpful. So we can go. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I'm a, I'm, I spend a lot, probably too much time thinking about photography websites myself. I, uh, you know, I, Probably 2018, I completely revamped my website, went with uh, my buddy Jack Brower, who runs Wide Range Galleries, um, and I spent probably a two billion hours trying to revamp all of my content. And So it's a big deal, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. But before we do that, why don't you go ahead and uh, introduce yourself to the audience? Well, I'm I'm Alex Vida. I'm from Bucharest, but I work with photographers and photo agencies across the world. Uh, I'm used to working strange hours, like like now. Um, I I kind of resonate with photographers a lot because I started after college. I started trying to make a living as a freelance photographer myself. Uh, I have a degree in computer science, but I always hated the boring office job. And I was passionate about photography, that you could create something magical. You can take a snapshot and capture a moment. And I studied everything and courses and all of that. Um, And I shot a few weddings. I had my own photo studio. I tried to make it work. Because my background was in computer science, I built a website for myself that got noticed. A photographer asked me, and it kind of snowballed from there. And ever since, my camera is gathering dust in my closet. And now I'm 13, 14 years building photography websites exclusively. So, um, and you kind of learn the nuances of photography websites, but I also understand the struggles of photographers a bit Uh, so basically this is my background awesome yeah i mean let's be real um unless you're uh i I say this i say this with some affection but unless you're a nerd you know like i am i'm a nerd uh websites can be kind of daunting you know it's like getting in the back end and like what the heck is that you know <laughs> like so i think uh it's important if that's not something you're comfortable with to to try to partner with somebody who knows what they're doing yeah exactly um 
as a photographer, you want clients or businesses to hire an expert in other industries, right? You for your services. Why not have the same mindset when it comes to building the website? Maybe this is a mistake that some photographers make. Uh, they build the website themselves. They don't have the experience for it. They have a design sense. I feel that all most photographers have some sort of design sense that they use to take photos. But conveying that to actual web design standards and also building the website for the audience, not for them to like, uh, that's where it falls short. That's why you need to maybe hire a professional or at least make the right choices in platforms and design. Yeah. Yeah. And I, uh, I think one of the things you just touched on that we'll probably talk more about later, but I think it's really important for people to recognize what the purpose of their website is. Like if, if, if your website is just going to be for you, for you to be able to like look at it and love the way your photography looks on it, then you know, there's a lot of things you don't need to worry about, probably. But if you're trying to um, sell your work or attract clients or, uh, you know, sell workshops or sell other services, probably a good idea to put some thought into it. <laughs> exactly. Um, when when the website needs to sell stuff or become some sort of marketing engine, then, of course, a lot needs to go into it. But that's not to say that simple photography websites aren't for anyone, right? I, I can imagine, uh, I don't know, uh, travel photographers or in, in other specialties as well that maybe just need some sort of portfolio website to showcase their best work. So at the very least, the role of the website is as sort of an online business card, as proof. Maybe they get clients from word of mouth, from referrals, not from SEO, not from ads or marketing, but from word of mouth, people still check you out online um, to see if your work is up to par, if you exist. So <laughs> multiple reasons to have a website, yeah, not just selling stuff. Yeah. So so what motivated you to to want to help photographers build websites? Well, as I said, it's it kind of snowballed from just me building a few websites at first and I realized I got good at it and then um I kind of noticed it bugged me to see mistakes and struggles out there and kind of learning the nuances. As I said, I, I kept seeing the same mistakes over and over again on websites. Um, and some of them were easy fixes. There was just, you know, you need some sort of eye for it. And um, like I said, it's, it's a creative profession and I resonated with their struggles and it just grew from there, basically. Cool. Well, I mean, you kind of touched on this a little bit, but I feel like there's probably more to say. What, which, why should photographers want their own website? Well, um, first, as I said, an online business card—that's the the minimum you could have. Uh, beyond that, um, I feel that websites are some sort of magnifier of the quality of your work um the photos are always king and they need to be good right if you multiply something by zero it's still zero so no 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 good website can save a poor a crappy portfolio so that's a given but if you have uh decent or awesome images the website can really put them in a in a good light and position you as um as an expert, as someone who can is good at at, at his craft, um, but again, that's just at the portfolio level. Beyond that, the website can be a marketing engine. It can help you grow a business out of it with whatever that means for your business: um, selling, um, getting more clients, better clients, all of that. Um, the website is kind of everything, and maybe. A nuance that I'm sensing in, in the question, right, why would photographers want to have a website is as opposed to what? As opposed to not having a website and maybe just a social media profile. 
um, that's not enough these days. I, I feel that you, you can't set camp in, in an Instagram account or in something like that because social media profiles come and go, companies get bought, get shut down. The website is the asset that you control, that you have copyright over, uh, that no one changes the algorithm for, that you need to pay for ads. Um, and it's just the minimum these days if you want to be considered serious. Yeah, those are all great points. I, I want to go back to something you said because I I, uh, I kind of disagree a little bit with something you just said when you said like if you multiply something by zero, it's still zero. I think that it is actually possible to not have very good photography, but have an amazing website with incredible search engine optimization and be a successful business person. But that may not make you a good photographer, but you might have success selling your work to, you know, people who maybe just don't know better. Like if you rank number one on a ton of key search terms um, and you know, people don't look around. <laughs> you you could still sell work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that that's true. If the website is that effective and you dump a lot of people, you know, at the top of the funnel yeah. through SEO or through advertising, uh, of course, you would get some sales. Um, yeah, that that's true. <laughs> good good point. But in, in general, you know. Um, I've, I've seen many good photography websites fail because the photos looked amateurish. They didn't stand out. So in that sure. sense, on equal terms, the photos still are the, the number one factor. But sure, you can always put lipstick on a pig or what's the expression? <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Well, I mean, let's just dive into the heart of the question here. What makes a, for a great photography website? Well, in short, it's a website that gets you results. And I this is the the first answer that I want to give. And notice I, I'm not saying anything yet about design or performance or mobile friendliness or anything like that. It's getting results, whether it's getting inquiries, uh, getting selling prints, tours, calendars, whatever it is. Or if you're not selling anything positioning yourself as an expert, getting clients out of the website, getting more clients or better clients. Sometimes it's not about volume. So results. Um, and getting results from the website, making it effective, requires knowing other things where photographers stumble, knowing what your goals are as a business. Some photographers don't treat it as a business. It's just I'm going to build a website and just wait till they come. It doesn't happen. You need you need to have business goals. You need to measure those those goals. Photographers are often awful at measuring stuff on the web, analytics, reports, anything like that. It's understanding your target audience. You don't know who you're targeting with the website, so the website is vague. And only afterwards comes the actual building building of the website design user experience the technical skills and all of that so right because because those those goals and those results that you're hoping for are going to drive a lot of the decision making around what the design and the the user interface is going to look like exactly if you if you have those nailed down um, you know your goals you know how to measure them and you know who the website is for Everything else then needs to align with that. The design of the website, your font and color choices, uh, your copywriting, your navigation menu. Um, some some are maybe a given as, as kind of the web standard. Websites need to be fast, mobile friendly, all, all this stuff. Um, but other, need, other things need to be tailored to the audience. Not all websites need to be the same. So that's that. what makes a great website. And it's specific, but it's complex. It's not just about making it look pretty and fast. No. I'm curious, uh, when you're working with a photographer on a new website, uh, what's your approach for kind of walking them through helping you understand what their goals are and then translating that into some of those design and functionality aspects? 
Well, it's um, scheduling calls one-on-one with them, uh, sending them a large questionnaire, a set of questions, uh, which usually also helps them define the goals for the website because they don't have them prepared. It forces them to think through them and then having calls with them at one, two-hour calls at the beginning of the project where I just go back and forth with questions. Why do you want to do this? Why now? What's the audience? What have you tried so far and hasn't worked? What are your competitors? You know, all that stuff until we kind of uncover um, what they really want out of the website, those results. Um, some Sometimes it's not always about sales, about, hey, I want to get more clients. Maybe they want to, maybe a goal would be to prioritize a different service. They want to get out of a market vertical and in to promote a different service because they're sick and tired of some type of client and they want to do something else. I don't want to do wedding ever again. Exactly. That's a common path (laughs) because it's such a saturated market. They want to do something else. But um, yeah, it's going through all of that, uncovering the goals, knowing how to measure. uh, If they have an older website, that gives a lot of information to use. Uh, analytics, Google Search Console, existing content, both images and copywriting that could be used or not, where it's lacking, where it's enough. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a process. Uh, this is the kind of the complex approach to building a website, and it's it, it's a full process because the alternative to this is choosing a template-based system or tool or a WordPress theme out of the box, slapping your logo and colors on it, and you're done. But your website looks like a thousand other photographers, and then you don't get those results, basically. Right. Well, what are some of the biggest changes on the internet that have impacted websites and how they should be structured? Oh, great question. Um, I'd put it into different buckets. Uh, one I'd say is market saturation in general. Um, common complaint from photographers is tons of competitors. Everyone is um, lowering their prices. It's hard to compete. And yeah, market saturation. And the solution here is usually some sort of positioning, business positioning, differentiating yourself as a photographer, whether that's through your specialty, you kind of maybe introduce a new type of service that's more unique. So you, you're no longer in a saturated market. You're in a market of one. You're in an expert on that service. You differentiate yourself through the quality of your photos, through the design of your website, through copywriting, through everything else. So that's a big topic. We we could try to uncover that later, but um, I guess that's a big trend, saturation. Um, another one is patience or lack of patience because of high-speed <laughs> internet, because of mobile devices, because of TikTok, and we have the attention span of a goldfish. Um, <laughs> Um, you need to websites now need to behave differently than five years ago. They need to be fast. They need to work on tablets and mobile. Um, they need to be easy to search, easy to skim through. Um, some design choices then get impacted. No longer do you can you get away with the full screen slideshow on the homepage with 30 images. No one is going to see through that. They'll just, uh, and first time visitors to the website make up 80% plus of the traffic. They'll just judge you by the first or second image in the slideshow and then they'll move on. If they find the navigation menu intuitive enough, you're in luck. They at least browse around, otherwise they bounce. So, Browsing behaviors have kind of changed because of this, you know, speed of everything. And maybe other changes would be, you know, content consumption has gone up. Everyone is checking feeds and uh, having newsletters in their email and doing searches, voice searches and Google searches. If 
you, photographers often ignore text content around the images. They just put portfolios up, no alt text, no gallery descriptions, no content. No one's going to find them. And yeah, so I think that's huge. No, I think that that piece right there, the the text and the search engine friendliness of a site is way, way, way more important than people realize. And and I've gotten into like arguments with other photographers about image captioning and image titling, not because I feel like every photo needs a title and description, because I get it, like, you know, a picture should speak for itself sometimes. But at the same time, like you need that rich text um, and, and copy to help the web understand that there's content. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, it's not about making Google happy. N- not only that, uh, it's about making visitors happy somehow. They land on the website, uh, they need to read context. They need to understand, hey, this is a gallery about something. Uh, even if we ignore all tags and accessibility and what Google understands, maybe there, there's a, a near future when AI and Google's algorithm will just deconstruct a photo well enough so you no longer need all tags or keywords. They'll understand the contents and you can do a search for that. But beyond that, captions provide value to humans as well and give context. and stories and blogs, blog posts about your work, about your projects, those are still invaluable. Yeah, I'd say I probably have 500 images on my website, somewhere in that range, nested in various places. And every single one of them has a alt alt tag and a caption. Like, and it's not just, you know, careless words, like it's very strategic. Yeah. And if you're writing them all kind of uniquely and specific to each photo, then that's the ultimate goal. Uh, Because just all tags are such a a pet peeve of mine. Photographers know they need to fill in the alt tags because they read about it on a checklist somewhere. And then they do just this copy-paste job of keyword brand name through all of the images. That's so useless. Google just ignores that repeated content. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of images, uh, one of the questions that I get probably the most from other photographers around websites is file sizes and resolutions uh, for the photographs that reside on their websites. And in my opinion, this is potentially one of the most overlooked ways to improve a website's performance. So I'm curious from your perspective, uh, what are your thoughts on that? And what are perhaps some best practices around image sizing? Uh, You've said it well, whenever you run a website, uh, a photography website in particular, through any sort of speed testing tool, most of the recommendations have to do with um, images, their sizing, their compression, and all of that, especially if you switch to a mobile mobile test, mobile first test, you sometimes get those reports that say the user needs to spend 15 seconds more or something like that to actually interact with the page, and that's ludicrous. Um, and images are the number one factor, like I said. Um, solutions for improving images on a website. Um, I would break it down into separate steps. One is the dimensions of the photos in pixels. Um, And let's get this first part straight first. Um, Photographers coming from the print world are, you know, they have DPI in mind, but on the web, everything is pixel-based. Only the pixel dimensions of the photos matter. The DPI value is just a, a metadata line. It's just like a caption. You can put whatever number it is. If the pixel dimensions are too large, the file size is large, and then the website runs slow. And sometimes it's it's hard to, you know, photographers uh, sometimes uh, upload high-res images to the website, like multiple megabyte files. Instead of resizing them first 
two acceptable dimensions in pixels. Any image that needs to load full screen, like in a portfolio page, you have a gallery of thumbnails, you click on it, it opens up in that light box view. Uh, it could be 2000 pixels on the long edge at most. You don't need to go beyond that. Um, if you load images in a blog section, maybe you look at the width of your blog area and size it for that. Maybe you go double to take into account retina screens, but never beyond those 2,000-ish pixels on the long edge. Um, so if you take into account uh, pixel dimensions, then... Uh, assuming we're talking about JPEGs most of the time for photographers, there are exceptions for, I don't know, more abstract work, which include gradients or more solid colors, uh, where PNGs might be a better fit. But mostly we're talking about JPEGs. The JPEG quality level is important. How you export them from Lightroom, from Photoshop, you never need to go to 100%. Um, yeah, th there's there's uh, a middle ground there to find some sometimes through experimenting um, as I found um, 70 80 percent quality usually gets you good file sizes without too much JPEG artifacts and noise you can experiment if you have subtle gradients in the sky or anything like that you might want to bump that up uh, but if you can manage to get your file sizes around 500 kilobytes, definitely below one megabyte for those large 2000 pixel images, that's perfect. So that's image dimensions, uh, JPEG compression level. And then beyond that, you can use other tools or plugins to further compress them, in even in a lossless manner, to squeeze the file size as much as possible without any visual changes. And there are tools and solutions for that as well. Um, it depends on the workflow of each photographer. Um, some photographers like to prepare everything on their computer first, like they, they go through their process, they ex export them from Lightroom at the right size, at the right compression level. And then maybe they uh, pass them through JPEG Mini or some sort of tool on their computer or a web-based tool to further compress them. Uh, other photographers, um, it depends on the platform. For example, WordPress has plugins that kind of handle almost all of that. You can even upload high-res files to the website and then they shrink it down to the appropriate dimensions. They compress it and all of that. Um, it depends. But basically, if you if you take into account image dimensions, the JPEG compression level from your photo editing software, and then extra tools to compress them, you're kind of all set. Um, that's a very long answer to to talk about image optimization for speed, and it doesn't even cover everything because there, there are extra factors like lazy loading or um, like you don't need to, when you have a slider or a, a gallery, you don't need to load all of the images in the background from the get-go. You need to let the page load and be usable and load those in the background. Again, it depends on the platform, it depends on the plugins, but it's doable. That makes sense. Uh, I mean, I know the answer to this question, but uh, do you have any preferred ways of measuring how well a certain page is performing in terms of speed? Uh, Google PageSpeed Insights, the common tool most photographers know because it's from Google, maybe, and they're the underlying um, Lighthouse algorithm that I think that's the name that maybe they use in their rankings. Um, GT Metrics is popular as well. You don't need to test it in 10 different tools. If, if if photographers just use those two tools, they're they're all set. And um, you'll I'm sure they'll notice image-related uh, issues in those reports. I mean, you sort of already answered this question, but I feel like this topic is so important that I'm going to ask it again. Why should people care about file sizes? Uh, because... Um, 
it's uh, you get better results from the website, which is where we started. What makes a great photography website? If the website provides a good user experience for visitors, and if it loads fast, it's not annoying. And um, especially on mobile, you're you you get better results from it, basically. And theoretically, you get in Google's uh, graces as well, so to speak. It's supposedly yeah, maybe, some sort of ranking factor as well, so it helps. Yeah, I was going to say maybe a, another way of asking the question is if somebody were searching, let's just say, um, let's just, you live in Bucharest, right? Yep. Let's say someone is searching for like Bucharest wedding photographer and there's two websites that have equally good copy and alt descriptions and like they've thought out the design of the website and one site has much larger files than the other my assumption would be that google would show the site that had the smaller files first yeah if everything else in a All things else being equal. in a lab yeah exactly then yeah it 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 supposedly um, a ranking factor these days, and they've devised some specific um, factors. You know how quickly uh, the the page is interactable. If the the page starts to load, but then something else moves around, you want to click, but then it moves around again. It's annoying. So they they, they kind of track this in a more technical way. But uh, yeah, all th other things being equal, it helps both your rankings and the actual user experience on your website so people trust you more and use your website more. Yeah. That's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, this is this is a larger question that probably could branch out into all kinds of different directions, but what are some of the more common mistakes that you see photographers making on their websites and how can they avoid them? Common mistakes, uh, oh, so many. Uh, I would put them. <laughs> You're like, I how would... much time do you have? <laughs> I uh, many years ago, I I built, I I wrote a, a large article with sixty plus mistakes. I, I I found on your website. Not all of not all of them are that popular, but I I would put them again into different kind of categories. One would be poor content. That's a common mistake and by poor content i mean the image quality of course but then missing content contact information you have to dig around to leave, leave them a message uh, missing text no text just photo galleries no text whatsoever we we touched upon that a bit um no, I don't know, no blogging where it's appropriate, no call to action buttons between pages, no testimonials, no social proof, no not addressing prices, even if you don't put them specifically online, at least addressing the prices or your experience or what the uh, buyers get. So poor content in general, not to mention, you know, copywriting mistakes, spelling, grammar, I've seen them all. Uh, beyond content, it's poor user experience. Um, a website that's confusing, confusing through a weird navigation menu, um, weird naming, right, for the menu items. I don't know where this leads to exactly. That extra millisecond stops me in my tracks as a first-time visitor to the website. Uh, confusion by having too many images, uh, not editing your portfolio down properly. That's the uh, hardest one. <laughs> yeah, I, I get it. You're you're emotionally attached to your babies, but for me, I, and I'm taking the role now of of a first time visitor to the website and a potential client. If I see a portfolio page with 50 plus images, it's too long for me to go through all of them. And in there, I see the exact same scene shot through two nearby angles or a color and the same photo in black and white. To me, it's a sign that the photographer couldn't make up their mind. And it's a sign of being more of an amateur, right? It's still 
content curation, photo curation. You need to edit it down. Um, so back to poor user experience, broken links, distracting pop-ups, uh, splash pages, a big pet peeve of mine. Uh, what do you mean by that? Splash pages are when you go to a website and it's just one single uh, background image and the logo and a button, enter site. Oh, right. <laughs> Uh, you're taking control completely away from the visitor. It's it's so annoying. I, I close them immediately. Um, so why not give people control? You're forcing them to click a button to just see the homepage again. It's, it's pointless. Um, what was the original point of those? Because I, I, you know, I, because through the podcast, I, people, you know, I put their websites on the show notes and stuff and every probably i don't know maybe every 20th person i come across they have one of those and i'm just like i hate this but also like at some point i feel like it serves some kind of weird purpose that no longer exists um i think it's rooted in that um wanted wanting to wow visitors with a large photo uh, the okay. wow factor of the, their most stunning photo showing that up front, hey, this is my killer shot. Enter here to see more kind of visual I impressiveness. Um, I, I'm not, of course, I'm not a big fan of those. Like I said, um, visitors judge you by that first image. Maybe it's awesome and it helps you, but... What if it if it doesn't? They they kind of put you in a mental box, and then you can't get out of it uh, right. when they browse what, around the rest of the website. What are your thoughts on slideshows? No, not a big fan, uh, especially not on homepages. Uh, like I said, people don't have the patience; they judge you by the first image. Um, they're usually bad for user experience because not all of them are built well. They're not they don't load well on mobile devices you can't use keyboard arrows to swap through the images more quickly or the transition effect is slow it's annoying you can't go full screen slide slideshows can be made for the better user experience but on average they're awful and on the home page at the top of the home page it's such an important real estate there to make it clear in five seconds what the website is all about and what you have to offer that a slideshow or a single image, it, it, it just feels like a missed opportunity to me. I, I much rather, you know, I advocate for some sort of grid of small grid of images or a collage to show more range of what you can do. Um, especially if you have multiple specialties under the same roof, like many photographers do. And also some sort of tagline, a statement, one sentence, specialty, location, and some unique identifier that stands out a bit. Not something vague like, I don't know, creative photos to last a lifetime. <sighs> okay, <laughs> that doesn't say anything. I still have to dig around to understand what you do and where. <laughs> so a straightforward statement and a bigger range of photos or displayed beautifully. Yeah. I love that. Um, earlier, I, I'm sure you have a few more pet peeves, uh, but before I forget, I wanted to ask you, you had mentioned broken links and that's something I've struggled with in the past just because, you know, I have a ton of content on my site and I don't usually have time to like dig through it and remember, is there a specific tool that you would recommend people use to kind of, find those uh there are free broken link checker tools if you just google a, a few good ones will pop up first um and if you're using wordpress then there are plugins for that that automate the process more quickly. They, they search every internal and external link in the background they redirect them automatically to the home page or to something else there are it's this is fixable yeah yeah Photographers just need to do a scan to to look for them. Yeah. All right. What did you have any more uh, pet peeves? Who um, or common mistakes we should call them? <laughs> they started out as pet peeves for you, though. Yeah, yeah. I, I get annoyed by some. Um, 
let's see uh navigation menu i kind of covered that that's a, a very common mistake um in weird menus in weird locations with too many menu items like having 15 choices there you get analysis paralysis or weird naming um um let's see auto playing music oh yeah We're wedding websites i'm talking to you <laughs> uh wedding photographers um yeah you know terrible <laughs> yeah um overdoing seo just like you can see in the footer like 10 links the same tagline and then a different city trying to rank for all locations but it's a copy paste job it's overdoing it um yeah and then of course design mistakes misalignments lack of white space everything is jammed together um the home page usually is messy because it's it over time as the photographer grows the website and adds more services more products photo albums whatever the home page becomes a dumping ground of all the links and all the promos and photos um something needs to be taken out every time you add something new um yeah. all right well that should give some people to some stuff to think about one one thing i've always kind of wondered what non-photographers think about is how to organize galleries and galleries of photos on a website you know i think a lot of people think about it either by style or location or subject and i'm just curious kind of what your thoughts are on that uh good question it it, it depends of course it depends a lot on 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 the specialty and on the archive of each photographer and the size of it um common um criteria for organizing are by location for a travel photographer that's a common one by it can if the if the experience the archive is vast it can even go by continent and then country and then city i've seen mega menus broken down so you can track the exact location even a map you can click on the pin on the map where the photographer has been to open that gallery um for other specialties by topic is obviously a common one um especially if somewhat different specialties are on the website you need to separate them somehow um by year by date but i'm not that for simpler websites that's that seems cumbersome as a visitor uh, maybe for larger stock photography archives that makes more sense um yeah but that that's usually enough it, it's about managing the number of images in each gallery again we're not talking about selling stock images where maybe volume matters just for presenting your work your best stuff uh it's about organizing it in such a way so that galleries reach a good enough size to browse right uh, 20 images yeah uh 20 images ish uh 10 images seems too little to view a gallery a portfolio of you know you you're a travel photographer and you shoot mountainscapes uh cuz you have that lovely photo in the background um and but you you also shoot other stuff wildlife and fine art if you just if i see um mountainscapes gallery with just eight images in it it feels like you you don't yet have experience with it if you have 50 images it's too much to scan through these days so there's a middle ground there (laughs) as you were talking i was thinking about my i have a mountain gallery and i think it's probably got way too many (laughs) yeah Oh, well, I'll have to clean that up a bit. It's just hard. Yeah, it is. Like you said, it's like sacrificing your children at the altar. <laughs> yeah, that's why you, you need you need uh, outside help, <laughs> feedback from other people to take the decision for you sometimes, yeah. Yeah. Well, shifting up a little bit, I'm curious what your thoughts are on how photographers can differentiate themselves in today's saturated marketplace? 
Well, um, we touched on this a bit uh, earlier. It's positioning in one word, positioning your business, um, making yourself somewhat different from your competitors, from the saturated market you're in. And positioning is such an important business tool, pivoting, uh, because it then helps you um, justify higher fees, kind of above market average, you can get more and better clients, not just you can have easier clients to work with. Um, if your website also helps your positioning, the website does the, the selling, the convincing for you. Mostly people come to you already convinced that they want to work with you if you do your job well. You, you don't need to spend so much time trying to convince people um, the website can do the heavy lifting for you if you position it well. Um, and if if you go into a smaller niche, you, you specialize on something, you can kind of, you can serve your client's needs better because you learn the nuances of that smaller trade. If you're just a generic wedding photographer, let's take the, the most, maybe one of the most saturated markets. If you just do hey, I'm a wedding photographer, you're competing with everyone. Everyone and the bride and groom's niece who also has a camera. Um, so you, you need to do something different. Uh, look back into... Th there, there's a process for discovering a smaller niche um, and it, it's looking back, back through past projects you've had um to see what stood out what you enjoyed doing and what you didn't what your clients appreciated from you and what they didn't to see some common patterns then it's maybe doing some sort of research online look at your competitors do google searches see hey what are other people in my so-called niche doing differently how are they standing out why are they more attractive than me and then you know, a bit of soul searching, a bit of experimenting, a bit of courage. It's right. It's not just about technical skills. It's emotional skills and psychological, you know, learning about yourself. Uh, how can you stand out? How can you, you know, position your services, your business in a different way? And back to the example of the wedding photography market, extra saturated. I've seen awesome examples over the years. Um, like uh, there was one website from the UK, Ama Puma or something like that. I don't know. Super fun weddings. The website was all colorful. All the photos were laughing. It was attracting clients who wanted that type of wedding shoot. Or I worked with um, a wedding photography couple uh, from Los Angeles who shot cinematic black and white weddings. Like the like they were on a movie set, they got that style, and they commanded that niche. Whoever was interested in that, they were the experts in that in that field. So positioning, and I love that. Business. Well, and, yeah. and that also, uh, from a search engine perspective, makes it a lot easier to rank more highly because you can rely more heavily on those what are called long tail. Uh, search engine ter search terms like I don't know using that one you just talked about like super fun England wedding photography like that's going to be much a tighter uh, search engine parameter than someone that just says England wedding photographer right exactly uh, and two things come to mind there one is yeah if you're well tightly positioned, then your search engine efforts will be more targeted and more effective. Your Any sort of marketing efforts would also be more targeted. Any social media presence, if you have a, um, a mailing list, again, it will go better to the heart of your target audience. And also uh, what you said about long tail keywords. Yeah, again, uh, the mindset of trying to rank for the most generic keywords, trying to get number one on Google, uh, but not, not even knowing for what uh, and where the competitive competition is so high that there's 
it's unrealistic. I mean, some some photographers try to rank for these overly generic keywords and they're outranked by directories, by the not wedding directory or by uh, stock travel photography, stock, stock image websites. How there, There's no chance you'll still be going to be on the second page. And the solution is to go for a narrower search queries key phrase and you command that sure the search traffic is lower but the conversion rate is much higher there if you rank it well and all of this information for anyone who's confused about all of this is in google search console that's the tool for this because google analytics just gives you traffic information how they're where they're coming from and what they're doing on the website google search console tells you what they're searching for on google to find your website or your com- competitors yeah yeah one of the tools i started using i guess about 4 months ago now i started using um se ranking which is similar to like sem rush and i don't know mm-hmm. there's a bunch of tools kind of like that but it was really cool because you know, it scans your website, it scans the history of your website, and it actually makes suggestions to you about different keywords you might want to focus in on. And, um, and you can even like come up with your own and see how they, how you would compare against existing websites and why. And it's a really awesome tool. I can put a link to it in the show notes. Um, but I found it to be incredibly helpful. Yeah. Yeah. If there are both free tools and awesome paid tools like the ones you mentioned. Um, They just provide a a treasure trove of information for anyone who's looking. You need some sort of decent amount of traffic to get meaningful uh, reports from it. If if it's just a simple new portfolio website and you're getting tens or 100 visitors a month, it's not as relevant at that stage. But if you're getting into the thousands of visitors per month, you can optimize the heck out of the website and get more results and conversions out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk about search engine optimization or SEO, as people like to call it. Uh, First off, I'll ask you like a little bit of a pointed question. Uh, Why do you think photographers have the wrong mindset when it comes to search engine optimization? Because they are often inappropriately obsessed with SEO while they're they're having bigger and more mistakes, other mistakes on their website. Um, I get I by by market demand, I kind of introduced an SEO audit service on my website just to review SEO the SEO of a photography website, but. I kind of turned down 50% of those requests because the website is awful in the first place. They have huge, uh, the, the mistakes, my pet peeves that that we covered. Um, and But the obsession still is, hey, I want to rank number one on Google, not even knowing for what or why or what that extra traffic will do on the website because they won't convert. They won't take action on that website. So I'm not... I, I fully understand the power of SEO and what it can do on a on a good website, but it's not the first priority for a photographer oftentimes. It's you know the 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 funnel metaphor I know it sounds business e but um you, with SEO you're bringing more traffic at the top of the funnel. You're dra- uh, dumping more visitors from Google into the funnel. The funnel is your website. If the website is really bad, that funnel is very leaky. And no, no actual, none of that traffic actually converts to send you an inquiry or to purchase something or a, a, an abysmal conversion rate. But if your website is good and it's tight, that's when it converts and it gets you those results. So my <laughs> my problem with photographers is that they're often too obsessed with SEO instead of first fixing other stuff and then focusing on SEO. It's a shift in order of priorities, basically. That makes sense. Yeah, I think I suffered from that particular problem for a long time myself, so I totally get it, So, which is why I laughed. <laughs> I, I think it comes from uh, SEO is simpler 
I'm not, I'm not saying it's it's easy to rank higher. Of course, it's difficult, but it's simpler to understand. Whereas improving your website, it's this vague, confusing stuff. You need skills for it, or you need a budget to hire someone, or it's difficult. Whereas SEO, hey, I just put more keywords on the website. I do a checklist, uh, and I get more traffic. No. <laughs> Yeah, the way I was thinking about it as you were talking about the funnel and not having a good website, it would be like the difference um, of someone who was like mining for gold and instead of, uh, you know, trying to extract gold from a place that actually has gold, you're just like randomly picking somewhere and shoveling dirt into a box and hoping there's gold in it. Yeah, you go by by volume, maybe. I got maybe. so much volume. Yeah. No gold. <laughs> yeah, instead of doing research to go to a better location or use better tools or something like that. Yeah. 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 I'm curious, what are your thoughts on some of the existing um, website platform services that exist? I uh, I actually actually did a presentation a few months ago for Out of Chicago Live where I talked about um, building a website to sell prints. And I created a basically a, a, a table where I compared all of these different services like Zenfolio, um, Photo Shelter, uh, Smug Mug, Fine Art America, um, you know, the list goes on. I compared them across a bunch of different variables. And I'm curious... I can put a link to that little thing I created in the show notes too, but I'm curious what your thoughts are on some of those kind of in-the-box setups. Um, so photography-specific platforms, basically template-based platforms like the ones you mentioned. Um, I think they are good for some things, bad for other things. So again, it comes down to the needs and goals for the website. Um I'm, uh, there's no rule here. I, I don't force any photographer into a specific platform because it depends. And, uh, um, the ideal, of course, for power and flexibility will always be, I guess, WordPress because you can do more with it. But for simple portfolio websites, those tools are obviously quicker. It's a template-based system. Uh, but there are other advantages, which is because they're photography-specific platforms, they have a ton of tools in the background. When it comes to uh, creating private galleries to share with clients, to deliver images for downloads, e-commerce, that's a, a big requirement, which sometimes kind of forces me, I, I need to build websites with those platforms too, because um, especially when it comes to selling prints or licenses, um, rights managed licenses versus royalty free. Not all platforms have both um, prints, again, self-fulfillment, auto-fulfillment, print labs in which countries, again, and they need to, they, they filter out eventually. Um, so you, if you need those tools, Lightbox, uh, Lightboxes, um, gallery proofing, um, integration with a CRM. Some photographers use CRM to manage clients. All those have a factor in choosing a platform, basically. More, even more so than the actual design. Sometimes the template, of course, that's a factor too. Um, so... They have limitations as well, which I'm not fond of. Uh, they ha usually have poor, I don't know, blog integrations or SEO limitations. You can just add a page title and a meta description and, you know, some alt text, but that's it. You, you don't have advanced stuff. Um, um, so it's a game of compromises. That's what I've learned over the years, and it's hard to navigate sometimes. Yeah, that's why I created that grid I'm talking about because uh, there's so many advantages and disadvantages depending on the platform you choose. And I think people can get lost in the, you know, some of that nuance, but um, one of my biggest pet peeves is because I do sell a decent amount of prints is most of those platforms, like they take a fee off of every sale you make, which I just personally find ridiculous. So uh, 
Yeah, that that's a factor as well. You you use their service for it's a commodity, so then you lose a, a fee out of that because it, it's it's more difficult to self-host the website to build it all on WordPress and to do self-fulfillment and you know you pay for convenience basically and they get away with that i mean it works they they most of them are sustainable businesses because more many photographers want that ease and they don't want to the the hassle so uh, again it depends on each photographer yeah all right well I think we're kind of winding down here. Uh, why don't you go ahead and tell our listeners more about the services that you offer and what the best way for them to reach out to you is? Uh, I run a website called foregroundweb.com, uh, F-O-R-E, groundweb.com. Basically, it's mostly an educational website about photography websites. I have hundreds of articles, a newsletter, resources, downloads. Uh, free stuff and I also do services basically services for photographers exclusively ranging from building custom websites from scratch or what I call website makeovers where I take an existing website which doesn't need to be rebuilt from scratch it's in a decent shape and I just redesign it polish it as much as possible down to SEO audits website reviews consulting calls Oh, basically kind of a full stack service for what photographers might need for, you know, online presence. Um, yeah, that's it. Basically feel free to reach out to me on the website. I reply to any emails or questions about photography websites. Awesome. And uh, last but not least, who are some photographers that you might recommend that our listeners might be interested in learning more about? Uh, the, the the first name that comes to mind is uh, a guy called Ben Van Wong, um, which is such uh, a cool photographer doing these social campaigns to raise awareness about plastic pollution, about all, all sorts of uh, social uh, activism campaigns, environmental. And he does such orchestrated photo projects with teams, with setups. It's really impressive. Check out his website. You'll be impressed. And um, he, I'm sure he would be a, a great uh, guest. Um, Andrew Helmich, uh, he is uh, an Australian ph photographer, but over time he also kind of um, built his own community of photographers and a podcast about the business side of photography and tips and that's that side I, I'm sure you'd have great exchanges um, on, in an episode and Jeff Schultz is a is an, a, a very talented um, photographer that I've worked with. Uh, he's the official uh, photographer for a, a famous dog sleigh race, um, the Iditarod race, and awesome, awesome photos. And what I like about his online presence is he has a ton under the same roof. Uh, portfolios, but also selling photo tours. They're always sold out like two-week-long photo tours, uh, calendars, posters, uh, stock photos, fine art, prints, all, everything under the same roof, and it can be done. If, if you grow in a large enough experience of a business, it can happen. So that's another awesome example. Yeah. Nice. Well, Alex, this has been super fun. Same here. I, I've enjoyed it. I, I'm still <laughs> caffeinated. <laughs> So I still have energy for a few minutes, but yeah, it, it was fun. Yeah. Well, thank you to Alex for joining me on the show. If you enjoyed our chat, you can catch our bonus episode on Patreon, which is all about making the decision for putting your pricing on your website. We hope to see you over on Patreon and join in on the conversation. I also want to thank my friends David Kingham and Jennifer Renwick for putting in the hard work to make Nature Photographers Network such a great platform for photographers. 
NPN is one of my favorite websites. It's a great community of like-minded people that are super generous with their time in helping each other improve in photography. I try to respond to every single image that's posted to the critique forum over there, and I know a lot of other photographers who are way better than me, like Alex Noriega, are also providing excellent critique over there. For just $49 per year, you can join the community on NPN and gain access to these incredible benefits, including access to fantastic articles, webinars, discounted tutorials, discounted software, discounted books, and so much more. It's a great place and we'd love to see you there. Just head over to npn.link forward slash fstop to join. You can also use the code fstop10 for 10% discount. That's npn.link forward slash fstop. Lastly, in the episode, you may have heard Alex and I discuss an SEO tool that I've been using that I personally think is fantastic. It's called SE Ranking. You can sign up for a free trial and see how powerful it is yourself. It has been tremendous for my own SEO purposes. I've put a link in the show notes for you to give it a go. Well, that is all for now. Thanks for stopping in, collaborating with us, and listening. See you next week.